1: I've realized that I need to add a grenade launcher to my gun sounds repertoire. I haven't done it before, so I'm going to give it a go. How was that? I think that was pretty good. Uh, I've also realized that making weird sounds to myself at the start of a podcast is just weird. Hi, welcome to Watching Films on the Toilet, a podcast in which normally two dads, but in this case one, Uh, watches violent and scary films that I can't watch with my kids. Uh, So I have to watch them on the toilet because, you know, that's the only place you can go. I'm sure a lot of parents and people without kids can relate to that. But yeah, it is just me today. Um, I haven't done one of these on my own before, but as regular listeners will know, my co-host, Eamon, has been in comedy prison for the past few months. With other disgraced comedians, uh, James Corden's in there. Uh, David Walliams went in there when he called that contestant on Britain's Got Talent, a <laughs> even though that contestant probably was a. <laughs> um, Jim Davidson's been in there. Andy Dick, Carrot Top, uh, and Jimmy Carr, not because of that awful Holocaust joke he made about gypsies, but because gypsies pay more tax than Jimmy Carr. <laughs> I wanted to say Josh Widdicombe, but he will never end up in comedy prison because that would require him to have taken a risk. Have you seen The Price of Butter recently? My daughter's birthday cake costs more than the pony I bought her. But today uh, I'm going to be talking about Extraction 2, which is a movie that I've wanted to see for some time. Directed by Sam Hargrave, former stuntman, uh, written by Joe Russo. One of the Russo brothers and produced by Joe and Anthony. I I don't know why Anthony didn't write it as well, but whatever. And uh, starring Mr. Chris Hemsworth, who, I mean, he's too handsome. He's far too handsome. We've talked a lot on this podcast about how people like The Rock and Arnie can't play normal men. They're just too muscular to look like normal men. And Chris Hemsworth is too handsome to be a normal man. He can't do it. I can play a normal man. Uh, Well, actually, Eamon claims that I look like Kevin Bacon, who he also says is Hollywood ugly. So I guess I can play a Hollywood ugly man, like, like James Corden does, I suppose. I also wanted to talk action because next weekend, I am heading off to the second. I didn't know there was a first, but this is the second London Action Film Festival, which I'm very excited about. I couldn't sleep a few weeks ago. Uh, I was thinking a lot about Eamon having gone to prison um, and I, I woke up really early in the morning and I saw that Gareth Evans, director of The Raid, legendary Welsh man, he put something on Instagram about this this action film festival so I bought a ticket and uh, yeah, he's going to be there doing a QA and a about The Raid 2 and Scott Adkins is going to be there. I'm I'm super pumped. I'm trying not to think about it too much though because in my mind... By the end of the weekend, I will have become best friends with Gareth Evans and Scott Adkins. And they'll, in fact, they'll come up to me and say, oh, aren't you Ben from watching films on the toilet? We'd love to come on your podcast. Um, So, yeah, I need to keep my expectations low and realistic. I have met Gareth Evans before a couple of times. Um, He signed my The Raid 1 and The Raid 2 steelbook. So, yeah. you know, he'll, pr- he'll probably recognise me. I think I think that means we go way back. I've never seen Scott Adkins in the flesh. So yeah, very exciting. Anyway, so I have spoken to Eamon. Uh, I spoke to him last Monday, uh, not very long. He said it was karaoke night in prison. I'm not sure if that is like an actual karaoke night or if he was, you know, if that's slang for taking a pounding or whatever. But he told me that he's he had a chat with Taiko Atiti, who spent some time in comedy prison for his work on Thor Love and Thunder. And he has managed to set up an interview for me with Chris Hemsworth. Can you believe that? So I am super excited to talk about Extraction too. I'm actually waiting for my phone to ring. Uh, he's going to call any minute now. So I'm going to speak to Chris Hemsworth. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, but while we wait, I've got a bit of correspondence. Uh, so, a few episodes ago, we reviewed John Wick 4. And... Oh, here we go. Hello? Hi, mate. It's Chris Hemsworth. Mmm, is it? Yeah, definitely me. Uh, Star of Thor and, uh, and other, other movies. Right, because you sound an awful lot like Greg Tonkins, the Australian man who punched a kangaroo in the face. Nah, mate, I'm Chris Hemsworth. I'm ripped. I do all my own stunts, and I swam with sharks in that documentary on on the Discovery Channel, so, you know, I'd never punch an animal. Oh, Greg, do you even know Taika Waititi? Turns out uh, Chris Hemsworth isn't really talking to Taika anymore because... Because of his work on Thor, Love and Thunder. Oh right, well, that is fair enough. actually didn't think I could like Chris Hemsworth even more, but yeah. Anyway, sorry about that, mate. But, you know, we can chat about the movie if you like. Um, yeah, I might just do it on my own, to be honest, Greg. Ah, right. Okay, well, it was nice to catch up with you anyway. Yeah, always great. Did you- you punched any animals lately, or...? Not for a little while, no. I had a, uh, a monitor lizard in my garden the other day, so I picked it up by its tail and swung it round, threw it over my fence. Oh, that's um, that's abuse, Greg, isn't it? It's fine. I mean, I think you liked it. Yeah. Anyway, take care, Greg. All right. Well, um, if you were listening for the interview with Chris Emsworth, that's not going to happen. So I need to do an entire podcast episode worth of content on my own. Hmm. no one to bounce off of with the with the bands or... Correspondence. Let's start there. So anyway, bit of correspondence. Uh, a few weeks ago, John Wick 4 episode. Someone wrote in about that. Um, yeah, voicemail. Here we go. Hey there, it's Al. So I'm sitting in a coffee shop listening to your podcast episode about John Wick 4. I thought I'd let you know.
0: I was out for the pot
1: in that movie out of the blue one day. Chad Stahelski calls me up, says, do you want to play the marquee? I said, do I got to speak French? And he said, no. So I said, what about the action? Do I get to fight John Wick? And he said, no. All you got to do is look mean, wear a lot of nice suits. And I said, look, I'm about to have another kid, and I don't want him growing up thinking his dad it's just an old man who can't fight. Jazz says, yeah,
0: you're 83 years old
1: now, Do you even know any martial arts? I said, no. But if you put me
0: in an environment
1: with a lot of railings, padded floor, and not a lot of steps, I'm sure I can pull off the choreography. Next day, they offered the pot to Bill Skarsgård.
0: That's Hollywood for you.
1: I'm going to get back to my cup of coffee and I'll be in touch soon. Thank you for that letter, Al, and congratulations on the birth of your new child. Hopefully you won't be wearing nappies before your child grows out of them. All right, well, let's stick with the uh, general structure of the show. A little bit of toilet news, which I will share to myself. Let's see if I have anything amusing to say about it. The story that was around a little while ago, but it did... I did find it interesting. So this is from the NME. Uh, it says teachers confiscate equipment from 12 year old who hosted rave in school toilets. The set included complimentary lucasade and Cadbury Twirls. That sounds pretty great. 12 year old boy has found fame after hosting a 30 minute rave in his Manchester school's bathroom during the lunch break. Kale Bell's set lasted 30 minutes before teachers at St. Anthony's Catholic College in Manchester broke up the party and confiscated (laughs) his DJ equipment. What a legend. 12 years old. He's brought all his equipment to school. I mean, I get it. Like, lunchtimes at school are boring. If you're not into football, when I was at school, all my friends would play football and I was not very good at football. And they'd like... I don't know. They'd volley the ball. Uh, that's a football term. And I had to stop the ball to kick it. I couldn't volley it. I, I couldn't do that. They'd kick it against walls and too much skill. Keepy-uppies, all that, football. I was wondering what other events you could host in toilets because it's quite convenient because you, if you had something that would last for a very long time, you wouldn't have to worry about going to the toilet because you're right there. You know, so maybe a wedding. Maybe you could turn the toilet into a casino, and then at midnight, all the toilets could erupt like the Bellagio fountains in Las Vegas. Uh, that would be good. Also, you know, work meetings you could host in there if you were if you were pulling an all nighter for the uh, for the Dow Jones. Probably that's why people pull all nighters, isn't it? You could just do it in the bathroom, and then you could go and. You could be very productive, I think. Very productive indeed. As we've seen before, the uh, cistern is actually a great shelf. If you straddle the toilet backwards, you could put a laptop on there or you could eat, I don't know, I'm feeling like sushi would be a good dish to a long tray, you know, full of sushi on the cistern, gravel axe, some oysters on ice feel like seafood is very much the food of the bathroom some people might say that's unhygienic but if you keep your toilet clean then you've got nothing to worry about have you that could make for a great party we've talked about the disco toilet you know what paintball would be quite good in the toilet as well because you've got the cubicles for protection so you could hide in the cubicles and then burst down, pop, pop 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 and then get back in again so there are many different toilet-based events and it's got me thinking that This podcast could definitely sponsor some of them. So if you are someone who's thinking of establishing a toilet-based event, please get in contact with us and we will happily provide, I don't know, uh, a banner. We'll we'll give you a banner for it or something. Good. So, yep, toilet news doesn't work as well with one person, does it? But uh, there we are. We're we're getting it done. So let's get on to the movie Extraction 2 do like these Netflix films because I can sit on the toilet where I belong and check them out. Also, I've been spending a bit of time watching movies in my car. Uh, when I take my kids to a, a club, you know, I don't mean like a toilet-based rave. I mean a, a sports club. I can sit in the car for an hour while they do that and, uh, and watch my movie. So that's another great place to sit and watch films. Watching films in the car. Stationary car. Not while you're driving. I wouldn't condone that. Again, just me, isn't it? So I suppose I drink something for my summer wee, which doesn't make any sense at all. So this time I drank a pint of cha-cha, which is a strong Georgian brandy uh, made from pomace, which is kind of what's left over from grapes after the juice is pressed. And it was delicious. And what I did was I tried to drink it much like the 21-minute action sequence at the beginning of Extraction 2, on as many different modes of transport as I could. So initially, I was driving uh, and uh, had a had a glass or two then. Uh, I drove to this train station, got on a train to Gatwick Airport. I got for a flight from London to Exeter, where I got on a megabus, which took me to Plymouth. Of course, that was where I was always headed. And then I got on the Torpoint Point Ferry, which took me over to Cornwall. And then I, uh, I rode on a bike, uh, heavily intoxicated, to Saltash, where I uh, projectile vomited onto the beach because of all that travelling and because I was in Saltash. And the next morning when I woke up on the beach, uh, I'd already gone to the toilet. Uh, but I'm assuming it would have lasted for maybe a minute and three seconds because my bladder did feel quite full before I passed out. Spoilers ahead for the rest of the podcast. So don't bother listening if you haven't seen the movie yet. So we all thought Chris Hemsworth died at the end of the first movie after being shot everywhere. But he didn't. After speedrunning his physiotherapy, Chris is asked to rescue his ex-wife's sister Ketavan and her kids from a prison in Georgia, where they're being held by her abusive gangster husband. With the help of his team, Chris manages to rescue Ketavan and her kids, killing the gangster fella in the process and incurring the wrath of his older, slightly more gangster brother, Zurab. Mia's son gives away her family's location, and Zurab sends an army to execute everyone. That doesn't work, and Ketavan is reunited with her sister Mia. Chris apologizes to his ex-wife for abandoning their son when he was dying of cancer before heading into certain death to rescue Ketavan's son which he does quite brutally Chris is arrested but then let out of prison by Idris Elba on the condition that he completes one more job so not the end okay funnily enough that was one minute and three seconds exactly who would have thought uh, that's what I guess that's what happens when I do it on my own extraction two It was interesting to see the Russo brothers mentioned at the start of this. I think this is one of the best things they've been involved in since they left Marvel. I know they produced everything, everywhere, all at once, which was excellent. Uh, But they also directed The Grey Man, uh, which was awful. Cherry, which... And uh, 21 Bridges was okay. So, yeah, a very mixed bag. This is great. And that, I would say is because of Sam Hargrave, who is an awesome director. So he was a stuntman, and he just he knows how to do action. I think he knows how to push the limits of what's possible. I was watching an interview with Chris Hemsworth, and he said, you know, if he wasn't sure about any of the stunts he was doing, Sam Hargrave would just throw himself down the stairs and say, look, that's how you do it, which is, uh, I guess, what you want from a director. Someone who's willing to put themselves... In the firing line. And uh, a lot of firing line in this movie. I thought the first Extraction movie was good. I thought the action sequences in the first Extraction movie were brilliant. But the rest of the movie didn't really do it for me. I felt that as much as I enjoy Chris Hemsworth, he was sort of over brooding in that film. He didn't really seem to care about anybody. And as a result, I'm not really sure if we cared that much about him. Whereas this time... It's a lot more personal and he ends up sort of finding his purpose again, which is good. And there's some very moving moments when he comes to terms with the death of his as a very stoic, uh, almost monosyllabic man. But I did think at the end of the first movie, he was dead, right? Everyone thought he was dead. And so when he woke up in this movie, it was a bit of a surprise. He'd, He'd been shot more times than 50 Cent and that was nine times and i know that because 50 cent has put it in a lot of his songs um but yeah i i mean this guy can take a lot of pain i think him and him and dominic toretto could battle it out for most superhero normal man because they a lot of stabbing a lot of bouncing off cars all that kind of thing a lot of explosions which apparently explosions don't ruin your internal organs they just knock you back a bit and then you're okay but I'm fine with that because um, the action sequences in this film were super I did wonder if they were all a dream though because at the beginning he's in a coma and you know when movies begin with the shot of someone with their head on a pillow think about the Wizard of Oz Mulholland Drive does suggest it does suggest that maybe it was all a dream so perhaps Tyler Rake we'll get onto that name later was actually dreaming the whole time and maybe maybe he's still in a coma. That would have been a fun ending, wouldn't it? Or maybe it turned out that Thor Love and Thunder was all a dream. That would be good, but unfortunately it wasn't. So, you know, we have a very efficient brief rehab for Tyler with one of the earliest training montages I think I can remember in recent movie history. But you know, I think it works well, this kind of man with nothing to live for. He is going to thrust himself into any situation. I know towards the end, when he goes back and saves the boy, he knows he's going into a trap. But because he doesn't really care about anything else, we're with him. There are other movies where you think, well, why would he do that? But he's Tyler Rake. Doesn't care, does he, mate? And speaking of rakes, there is a scene very early on when we meet the Georgian brothers, and they seem to be just nice, nice farmers until one of them stabs a politician with a rake through the neck, which is a great way to show that he's the bad man. Um, While the other one is abusive towards his wife, who he's kept in prison with his family. So yeah, these these are bad dudes. Again, there's not a lot of depth to the characters, but they were suitably mean, and they had an army of other bad men behind them. And I enjoyed seeing them get their asses kicked. And quite the ass-kicking it was. We have that 21-minute action sequence, which is fantastic. I love the change of scenery from prison to car to train. Opens with Tyler Rake killing the brother. And he does that ripping his hand in half thing. Where does that come from? I see it in so many films now and it's horrible. It's like they did a poll of... What's the nastiest thing we could do to someone? Oh, why don't you rip their hand in half? Top five. (laughs) Top five family fortunes answers. What's the nastiest thing that you can do to someone's hand? Is it just stub it with a knife? Uh -uh. no it's pull the fingers apart and rip the hand in half and then tyler he uses numerous weapons he's got his like silenced rifle he's got his gun he uses a knife he uses a pipe he gets a brick to the head he uses his flaming fists he uses a dumbbell i think the woman he was rescuing used a spade as well i mean it's not a very good weapon to give her he's got all these guns and stuff and he gives her a little spade but she does do a lot of clangy whacking with it so good for her and I do think the one take thing works extremely well. There is something more uh, visceral and exhausting about it that kind of grounds the action. And you really feel the the pain as it just keeps on going and the hits. And, you know, extremely well choreographed. Um, obviously, Sam Hargrave knows exactly what he's doing, showing the impact of all these hits and mixing it up with some shocking moments so it doesn't get repetitive Scott Adkins did a movie called One Shot which was a a one take action thriller the the whole thing and I I enjoyed it I thought it was very effective but this is uh, this is a step up I would say Um, I think a whole movie like this would have been possibly too much but that extended sequence fantastic I thought uh, Tyler's assistant Nick played by I'll try, Golshifte Farahanini, um, possibly got that wrong. She had a very nasty knife fight in the, I guess, cockpit of the train. She was really vicious, and I really enjoyed that fight as well. Just... Cutting from the two of them, I liked it when occasionally you'd come away from Tyler because he was setting up some kind of trap and they keep you in suspense with what was going to happen next. That was very enjoyable. But yeah, that whole thing was awesome. The young boy who was torn between his mom and the Nagazi crime syndicate from which he came—he uh, did look about forty, uh, which was a little off-putting at first, but. I liked his predicament. Which way is he going to turn? Well, we know ultimately where he's going to turn because he'll find out that his uncle is a scumbag. And he did. Nice to see old Dan Bernhardt in there. A stuntman extraordinaire. He's been in pretty much everything. Uh, The Matrix, Atomic Blonde, Logan, Nobody. This guy, martial arts stuntman. You may know him from Barry. Uh, There was an episode of Barry which had a very long long, one take fight sequence with a kickboxer and his daughter, and Dan Bernhardt played played the kickboxer, which was fantastic. And if you haven't seen Barry, you should uh, find someone who's really ill and, like, I don't know, just push your face up against theirs so you get ill, and then you can binge the whole of Barry while you're off sick from work. I would definitely recommend you do that. I also learnt from this film that if a rocket is fired at a car and the car doesn't blow up, you'll be okay. It just kind of knocks it off the road and you can just get back up again and walk out. A lot of people walking away from explosions in this, including Chris Hemsworth, who doesn't turn back when people explode and doesn't flinch at gunshots so if you want to get into the action game which i'm sure many of us listeners do those are two things you have to do you also have to be able to do that thing where you pull yourself up on ropes um i've seen that quite a lot lately as well oh and rip people's hands in half you know by pulling on their fingers then things calm down for a little while but we know what's coming another huge action sequence this one I thought was quite similar to the the Gray Man had a scene where a bunch of kind of Call of Duty style juggernaut terrorists raided a city block this was much better again I think the guy who gets his head smacked on the running machine and flies out of the window that is probably the best gag I've seen all year. I very much enjoyed that. I was kind of disappointed I'd already seen it in the trailer, but they I really liked the way they used the the environment. It uh, was very inventive. You had the gym, the big uh I don't bench, so I don't really know what would they be called. Let's call it weights. Uh they dropped down on some people. Uh that was really cool and I liked the glass ceiling. We had, we established that glass would break if it was shot and then they had a little fight on that. So, you know, oh, is it going to break? Are they going to fall through? That was a very cool scene. I would have liked that kind of foreshadowing in the rest of the fight sequences. Towards the end, there was another, another more grounded, like hand to hand combat fight sequence. And in that, it seemed that in every new shot, there was a new weapon that they could use, which we hadn't seen before. I I liked that sequence, but it was a bit underwhelming compared to everything else that had happened before. I know why they did it like that. But, you know, when you compare it to something like John Wick or The Raid, where you know there's going to be a huge martial arts battle at the end, it just didn't really have the same impact as the other fights. I think because the fighting in this is more more realistic, I suppose, more brawling, a bit less flashy, just means that the battle wasn't quite as spectacular, I suppose, as some of the other stuff. But I did enjoy it, and I very much enjoyed the locked off shot when Tyler shot the dude in the head at the end. That was a fitting end for him. Some of the other characters in the movie, I thought that, as I said, Tyler's friend Nick, she was good, but there wasn't a lot going on with her character. She was, well, what was she? Fellow mercenary, had a brother, he was okay. You like TikTok. I mean, I'd like to see these characters developed in in further movies because I didn't really care about them that much. I was far more invested in, in old Tyler. And then it was left wide open at the end, wasn't it? Tyler having a purpose now, I suppose, that rather than just being a bit of a masochist and punishing himself with these brutal missions... He's realised that he is very good at saving people. So, you know, going forward, I suppose he, he might be a bit more of an optimistic character. We'll see. Not really bothered. Idris Elba was in it. Not much else to say, really. He was fine. And I'm sure we'll see him again. Did make me wonder who the, the gnarly MF guy behind the guy is. I could only picture one gnarly man, and that is Gary Busey. So hopefully... We'll get to see Gary Boosie in Extraction 3. But we're probably looking at another Avenger, aren't we? Maybe uh maybe Chris Evans. Get the double Chris going on. I could see Renner. It's gonna to have to be someone who's a big deal. Dave Batista's reliable, isn't he? Or maybe John Hamm. Too much handsome. Can you imagine? Chris Hemsworth and John Hamm. Good god. I'm getting too warm in here. Anyway, so I guess the question is. Would I flush Extraction 2, like Tyler Rake flushed his life down the toilet when he abandoned his dying son? Or would I fish it out of the bowl, like Tyler was fished out of a lake close to death at the beginning of the movie? Well, I thoroughly enjoyed this, the action sequences were awesome, I was much more invested in the character of Tyler Rake this time, I'm very keen to see where it goes next. I did find the ending a little bit underwhelming considering all the amazing set pieces that have come before that, but ultimately I was satisfied. So I would fish this out. Now, as it's only me here this week, I guess that means that Extraction 2 is going straight into the tank of glory because no one else is going to tell me it can't. So that means we have to lose either the loved ones infinity pool guardians of the galaxy volume 3 evil dead rise or john wick 4 so i have written the names of all the films on bits of paper and i'm quite tired so the first one i pick out is going to be the one that leaves and that is guardians of the galaxy volume 3 oh that's a shame i did like that movie but that is how it goes so extraction 2 You are now entering the tank of glory. So that was Extraction 2. Now, normally at this time we have a top five in which myself and a guest would share our top five movies based on a particular theme. But I don't have a guest in this episode, so I decided to compete with chat gpt i'm going to come up with what i think chat gpt's top 5 action movies will be now these are going to be movies that most people think are the top 5 action movies of all time i guess i'm thinking there'll probably be more empire magazine than sight and sound um, so we're not, we're not, we're not talking about the music senator we're talking about explosions popular critically acclaimed contemporary action movies so if i get three correct out of five then i don't have to do a horrible forfeit but if i get less than three i don't know what i'm gonna have to do probably get my hand ripped in half so i'm going to suggest for chat gpt's top five action movies of all time die hard i'm sure that'll be on there raiders of the lost ark I think I've seen that on lists before. So, uh, you know, it seems like a safe bet. The Dark Knight, because that is a very popular contemporary action movie. I personally think it goes massively downhill after the hospital explodes. But up until that point, it is pretty damn good. Um, could it be a Fast and a Furious? I do feel like they have to have some kind of critical acclaim as well. I don't know how ChatGPT works. I'll go. Mm, I'll go with. I'm going to go with a Matrix. Let's say the Matrix because no other Matrix. I know that that is is a favourite of many people. I watched it quite recently. It's it's still good. It's still pretty good. And let's go with a John Wick. I'm going to say a John Wick. I'll just say John Wick. If I get any of the John Wicks, I'm taking it. All right. Here we go. ChatGPT. What are your top five action movies? Oh, I've received a message. The perception of the top action movies can vary depending on personal preferences and critical opinions. True. However, there are five action movies that are widely regarded as excellent examples of the genre. Okay. Number one on ChatGPT's top five action movies of all time, Die Hard. Yes, one for me. Number two, Mad Max Fury Road. Ah, yes. It's a great movie. I know uh, know a lot of people like it. I'm pretty sure this is Empire Magazine's top five action movies, isn't it? Number three, The Dark Knight. Yes, so that's two out of five I have. Number four, John Wick. Yeah, yeah, boy. And number five is The Matrix. There we go. I am in the clear. No hand tearing in half for me. Thank God. But last week I did have to do a forfeit, which was given to me by uh, the host of the Extreme Horror Replay... Which was given by the host of the Extreme Horror Replay podcast, Big Ben and Nancy, and that was to put two steak knives through my feet. So this is what happened. So I've been a bit worried about stabbing steak knives through my feet. So I read about ways to overcome physical pain. And one of those was to practice visualization, which involves coming up with a detailed situation and the emotions that accompany it. For example, imagining all of the sensations associated with being in a warm bathtub or lounging on a beach. I wasn't very good at it so I just decided to come to a beach instead. So I've come to Margate and uh, yeah I'm hoping that the pain won't be quite as bad as
0: it would have been if I'd done it say in my bedroom. What I do need though are two steak knives. There's a little fish and chip shop so I'm just going to go and ask in there. Hi, sorry, do you have any steak knives? No, I ain't got no steak knives. Got a few chip forks. Yeah, those will do. You want some chips as well? Um, no. I'm just going to stab them into my feet. Hey, Why do you want to do that? Well, it's for a podcast. Right. I'm sure you can find better ways than that to get listeners. All that social media and that. Probably, yeah. You want to get yourself on, uh, on the TikTok? Good looking boy like you. Ah, uh, thank you, but it's for a forfeit, so... You could be my boy. Sorry? Ah, uh, nothing, nothing. Looks like all the forks have gone out of you. Don't worry, I've uh, got a box in the back. Actually, don't worry about it, I can it's just... no trouble. I might need hand lifting the box off the top shelf, though. It's quite heavy. I should probably just go. But what about your podcast? Doesn't really matter. Don't you want to be my boy? Um... You can have all the chip forks you like. Uh. Oh, go on then,
1: fine, I'll be your boy. What do I have to do? I think I've managed to get through this on my own. (laughs) If you're listening to it, it's because I decided it wasn't too awful, I suppose. Uh, So all that's left is to thank our Patreons. What weapon would they be? Mr. Mike Foster, he'd be a grenade launcher. Raph would be a silenced pistol. He'd come up behind you and and you wouldn't know he was there until it was too late. Uh, My mum, who is a submachine gun. Always banging on about something. (laughs) I'm just kidding. And my dad, he's a blade. Blade to the ribs. Uh, Straight to the point. Good. So there we go. Please check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Leave a review very much appreciate that maybe not of this episode but listen to the other episodes if you get a chance and uh, subscribe if you like what you hear so i guess this does actually leave it to me to say keep flushing <laughs>